Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID-19, has suspended in-person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook, at Park Ave Baptist, or our Instagram, at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times. Um, and not only to pray for us and pray for the world, but pray for those who are incarcerated. They are being affected by this COVID-19 as much as anyone. Um, so let's pray for them. Um, pray for that second chance that all of us deserve. Uh, we serve a God of second chances. So Deacon Nikki, if you could um, bless us with a prayer this morning. Amen. Um, let us gather uh, before the throne of grace and hold in deep intention everyone who is confined by something and needs freedom from it. Everyone who is confined by something and needs freedom from it, God, of so many chances. We are also very thankful for your grace that we are here to experience this day together is a sign of your miraculous grace. You chose us yet another day to see, yet another day to try again, yet another day in our own human imperfection to be so divinely perfect as you are. With this intention, we come before you, God, and we ask for the return of all things good. Return our peace, return our joy, return our prosperity, return our wholeness. And if we've never had any of those things, grant it be us this day, Lord God. Grant it to us, Lord God. Give it to us. Bestow that grace, that longing for an answered prayer, whatever it is, for the people represented here today, Lord God, and those who are not among us, God, we hold them in this intention, and we believe that you are able to do all that you set out to do and said you would do, and we believe and seal these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, amen. Hearing a scripture reading from um, Acre, First uh, Peter 1, 17 through 23. Here are the words from First Peter. Since you call upon a father who judges all people according to their actions without favoritism, you should conduct yourselves with reverence during the time of your dwelling in a strange land. Live in this way, knowing that you were not liberated by perishable things like silver or gold, from the empty lifestyle you inherited from your ancestors. Instead, you were liberated by the precious blood of Christ, like that of a flawless, 
spotless lamb. Christ was chosen before the creation of the world, but was only revealed at the end of time. This was done for you, who through Christ are faithful to the God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So now your faith and hope should rest in God. As you set yourselves apart by your obedience to the truth, so that you might have genuine affection for your fellow believers. Love each other deeply and earnestly. Do this because you have been given new birth, not from the type of seed that decays, but from seed that doesn't. This seed is God's life-giving and enduring word. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron, for leading us so beautifully in that song. It is so good to be here this morning. My heart is full of so much joy um, to be in this space with this community this morning, sharing um, God's word. I would have loved um, to have been there in person to get to see all the new faces um, and get to experience the community there Park have once more, but you know, these are the times and we understand what we're faced with. So we will make do with this opportunity. I'm just as glad to see you all and to hear your voices. Um, I bring you greetings from a kindred community here in Greensboro, College Park Baptist Church. Um, wanting you to know that we see the work you all are doing out and in, in there in Atlanta and we support you. you we lift you and hold you up in our prayers always that God will continue to journey with you and empower you um, as you go through and commit yourselves to serving others in meaningful ways. So I am glad to share this morning to be part of this, the Resurrection Cannot Be Stopped series. Um, I'm glad that I have this chance to bring a word um, from First Peter, um, 1 17 to 23. I invite you now to just pause, take a breath with me as we hear from the Lord. Like many of you, I have had a lot of time um, this past, these past few weeks or months now for some what I'm calling um, introspective reflection. You know, I've had time to kind of think about and reflect on and evaluate my life. You know, I think about that um, phrase from Socrates that the unexamined life is not worth living. And, and these days have caused me to pause and kind of reflect and examine how I have been living in the world. How have I been present in the world? And so far, um, like I'm sure a lot of you can relate, I have found that um, from these self-evaluations that there are ways that I could have and can be better. You know, better in the way I stay connected with family, better in the way I live out my faith in the world, um, better in the way I serve others, better in the way I communicate with others, you know, that good communication that's, that involves talking and listening. Um, better in a way I use my resources for the benefit of those in need. Better in the way I use my voice in the fight for justice and equity. 
for those on the margins, better in recognizing there is much work to be done and that I have a share of that work to do. During these uncertain and disturbing times, one persistent question remains on our lips, at least it remains on my lips um, and in, in our hearts. And, and that question is, when is this going to end? When will we get back to normal? When can we, you know, hang out with friends and family again? When can we get back to shaking hands and, and giving hugs? When can we get back to meeting to our, at our favorite coffee shops or bars or, or hangout spots? When can we get back to gathering together at church again? When can we get back to work again? When is this going to end? The uncertainty for many of us is even more nerve wracking than the quarantine itself. We are deeply, deeply concerned about when all of this is going to end and we can get back to the normal. There are those, as I'm sure you all know, who are in a hurry to get back to business as, as usual. In fact, those of you out there in um, Georgia can relate um, that there are people who are um, in such a hurry to open up the country in spite of the immense risk it poses to so many, especially the already marginalized and underprivileged communities. Some want so bad to reopen our cities, our states, our countries, that they are now adopting what previously was reprehensible to them. For example, I have with interest seen on um, Facebook and social media some of these protests of people who are claiming they want the country to reopen. And it's interesting to see people who were once pro-lifers are now waving banners that say, my body, my choice. That, that one was interesting. There's also those who once thought that people gathering in the streets to protest were, were being rebels and, and outcasts and, and they were shunning them for protesting their rights. But now some of these very people are out in the street protesting because they want to get back to what they consider the normal. Now, while many of us may have legitimate reasons why we want to get back to normal, I think we need to take a moment to consider what that normal was and continues to be for so many people. You know, like we're talking about Second Chance Sunday today. Think about what that normal means for those who are incarcerated. Think about what that normal means for those who are abused, for those who are hungry, for those who are living in the streets, for those who have been trafficked, for those battling mental illness, for those battling addiction, those who have been cast out by family. Think about what that normal means for those who are poor, those oppressed by systemic racism and sexism, those whose identities are continually questioned because it does not fit the norms of the privileged. Think about what that normal means for these people. When we consider all of these people, these human beings, these bodies 
who themselves are created in the image of God, we must pause and ask ourselves, is this the normal we want to return to? Is this the normal we are willing to risk it all to get back to? Or do we want to do something that makes a difference? I believe that now is the time we, we can draw from the words, the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson when he says, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful. It is to be honorable. It is to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. Our text this morning from 1 Peter provides for us an impetus, a kind of template for living well that holds the resurrection as the guiding force. The epistle 1 Peter is written to a mixed complex, a threatened minority in a hostile world. In fact, in the greetings of the letter, the writers refers to the hearers as strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bethlehem. They are Christians surrounded by larger societies who don't understand them. They are trying to fit in as a means of survival. The Christians to whom First Peter is addressed are a growing movement in Asia Minor. They label, they're, they're, their very label, their very identity as Christians is becoming problematic and making life difficult for them. These are people who themselves were once part of the larger society in their individual homelands. But because they have embraced the message of Jesus and become followers, they are outcasts and viewed with suspicion. On top of it all, they're exiled in a strange country, constantly threatened by an oppressive government. They're afraid for their lives afraid that someone might turn them into the authorities, afraid that they, have, they, have, may, they, may have, they may be taken away, afraid that their families may be separated, afraid that at any moment there will be a knock on a, or a breaking down of a door and parents will be dragged away from screaming children, afraid for their very existence as a community. How are people so afraid, so panicked about their very survival. How are they supposed to live faithfully in face of this danger? To address their concerns and provide hope for these Christians, First Peter admonishes the hearers to keep their focus on God, the one who judges and loves impartially. One of the recurring themes in First Peter is encouraging Christians to be exemplary aliens or foreigners in a land that does not welcome them. The writer is asking these Christians to set themselves apart without getting into conflict with pagan rulers or masters. They're encouraged to return good for evil, blessings for slander, hoping against hope that their kindness will force others to believe. The writer suggests that the hearers should live out this kindness because it is the reason Christ lived, died, and was resurrected. In other words, through their uncommon grace, their uncommon kindness and generosity, 
They bear witness to the resurrected, resurrected Jesus and become agents of the resurrection. And now as agents of the resurrection, their responsibility is to love one another deeply from their hearts. A quick reading of the text will suggest that the writer is asking Christians to become passive bystanders. It is almost like he is saying to them, be kind, obey the laws, assimilate as best you can and survive. But a more careful reading I would suggest, a more careful and critical reading of the text calls BS on any attempts to suggest that Christians should be timid observers in the midst of oppression and persecution. The text encourages Christians to love each other deeply and honestly. How can you love deeply and honestly when your neighbor is hungry? How can you love deeply and honestly when your neighbor's family is being torn apart? When your neighbor is a victim of a system that dehumanizes them, how can you love deeply and honestly? How can you love deeply and honestly when your neighbor is forced to decide between paying bill and feeling they're feeding their family? How can you love deeply when you're with, from your heart when your neighbor is being sexually assaulted and abused but no one believes them? How can you love deeply from your heart when your neighbor has been sitting in jail for over 20 years for a crime they did not commit? How can you love your neighbor deeply and honestly? You see, the call to neighbor love is probably the most important of the imperatives in First Peter. Being a Christian is all about being loved by God, and love is the empowering action that enables us to love our neighbor. When we, when we embrace the love that God offers, we become new people. And you and I know very well that new people do new things. So that's the message here. As some have put it, we are called to become who we are. The Christian does not seek to live out the imperatives of the gospel to become a Christian. No, the Christian lives out the imperative because we are Christians. So that is who we are. This desire to love deeply from our hearts, that is who we are. We let the world know that the resurrection continues when we love deeply from our hearts. So to answer the question of how do we love deeply from our hearts, our neighbors, I tell you this morning, that it is not going to be by being timid or passive observers. This kind of love goes beyond kind words and sentiments of thoughts and prayers. The resurrected Jesus who nudges us to work for God's kingdom here on earth fuels this kind of love within us. This love engages oppressive systems. This love champions the cause of the poor. This love joins the fight of justice everywhere. This love stands up and uses its voice for those who have no voice. This kind of love says, I am here with you. I will fight alongside you. I will share what I have with you. I will do everything in my power to make this world a better place for you. That is what this kind of love pushes us to do. Earlier, I talked about realizing that there is work yet to do. 
I strongly believe that we are called as agents of Christ's resurrection to remind the world that the resurrection continues. Now, it is important to note here that the resurrection of which I speak is not just the bodily he got up from the grave that we sing on Easter Sunday. No, this resurrection is more. It is one that continues to spurn our hearts and bodies into action, action based on deep love for one another. The resurrection that whispers to our very souls that okay is not good enough. The resurrection that, according to the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to some beautiful heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. The resurrection is a celebration of life coming out of death. What better good news than the news that life comes out out of what we once considered death? What better cause for celebration than the recognition that the resurrection cannot be stopped? The resurrection is not paused, but the resurrection continues through our deep love for one another. Our love, our deep love for one another should be the fire that burns inside and pushes us to work for a better normal for everyone. In a song that we heard Aaron beautifully sing a moment ago, Carrie Newcomer says, the shadows of this world will say there is no hope. Why try anyway? But every kindness, large or slight, shifts the balance towards the light. With our deep love for one another, we lean into the light every day. And by doing so, we proclaim that the resurrection is not over. We let those who would try to hold us back know that the resurrection cannot be stopped. Like Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I hope, like people who are locked up during this COVID-19, find means to engage and excite and encourage one another, that we too will find ways to engage, excite, and encourage each other to spread God's love, to love deeply from the depth of our hearts, because then we become the loud sounding gong that lets people know the resurrection cannot be stopped. Amen. Amen, 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 and amen, James. We amen. thank you for blessing us this morning, uh, reminding us that the resurrection does continue uh, with the deep love that we provide to one another, reminding us to call BS on anyone that tells us to sit by idle and do nothing. We thank you for that. You blessed us this morning. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust, knowing that the God that created you loves you and empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively.